Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. Well, this is the sixth in a series that I'm doing on the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus's main wisdom teaching uh, in the Bible. And it presents the Beatitudes, which I'm doing at the moment, presents a picture of someone who is embodying that wisdom. Jesus starts the Beatitudes with the importance of not knowing. Wisdom cannot enter those who think they already know. So blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And after opening ourselves to not knowing, we recognize the lack of the divine in our lives, and therefore we are called to seek it. Blessed are those who mourn, uh, for they shall be comforted. And in recognizing our poverty, we also eschew violence and our desire to make things go our way. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And then we seek a right relationship with God, one of trust. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And show compassion to open up our experience of the oneness of all things. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And now the next beatitude, uh, the one we're going to look at today. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Or fortunate are those who are unattached to worldly concerns, for they shall perceive the true nature of reality. Blessed are those who are unattached to worldly concerns, for they shall perceive the true nature of reality. The understanding of the Beatitudes builds from not knowing to yearning for God to a dependence on God, to a trust that it'll all be okay, to an understanding of one beingness, to this point of perceiving the true nature of reality, the ground of all being, the universal mind. Having gone through all those previous stages, we're now in a position to be pure in our beingness and therefore able to see the reality of all things. The word for for pure, when we're looking at this beatitude, the word for pure in the Greek, uh, katharos, means physically clean, spotless, clear. It's like pure water, uh, clear objects, free of contamination, clear of debt, genuine, pure birth without blemish, sound. It has that context of pureness. In the Old Testament, uh, in the Greek In the Old Testament, it refers to clean and unclean aspects of the law of Leviticus. However, it also, particularly in the New Testament, relates to inner cleanliness. And Jesus was aiming at this when he called the Pharisees whited sepulchres, which he said are clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. Jesus was more concerned and is more concerned here with the idea of inner cleanliness, and that's what he's referring to here. The purity he's talking about is purity of heart, cardia in the Greek. It refers not only to the physical organ, but also cardia is the seat of emotions. It's the inclination. It's the desire, the purpose. Even the context has the meaning of mind. So he's really... When he says pure in heart, he's referring 
to the mindset that is at the seat of our consciousness. And he's being very specific here. And he's saying that only those with complete detachment from worldly concerns will be able to perceive the true nature of reality. Only those who've got complete detachment from worldly concerns will be able to perceive the true nature of reality. This sounds, I think, hard. You know, who amongst us is not concerned with their family or for their health or for the well-being of others or for the good of the country or for the good of everything? And yet, Jesus is really preaching here a message of complete detachment. Meister Eckhart uh, picks this up when he says that so long as a person has his own wish within him, even if that is the wish to fulfill the will of God, if that is a matter of his will, then he's not truly poor. And therefore, in Jesus' terms, not truly pure in heart, as this person is still driven by his ego, the ego that's trying to get things to happen their way. And in some ways, this beatitude here is the ultimate beatitude because it demands that complete detachment. And it's the detachment from the will of the rational mind. That's what he's talking about. A complete giving up of the desire to control the way that our life goes. And Jesus is talking about more than just control. This is about even having feelings about the way that our life goes. We're being asked to focus our hearts inwards on the divine within ourselves and have no investment to that which is outside that divine. Only then, Jesus said, will we see God. And by seeing God, he doesn't doesn't mean seeing with our eyes or our senses. It says many times in the Bible that we cannot actually see God. No, instead he's talking about, as I said before, perceiving the true nature of reality. Those who focus purely inwards will perceive that true nature of reality. You know, all of which sounds pretty impossible and perhaps even undesirable. Who of us wants to withdraw from our lives to such an extent? What is even the point of living if we can't enjoy that which is around us and try and make things better for ourselves and everybody else. It's for this reason that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is known as Jesus' hard teaching. You know, you've got love your enemies later on, turning the other cheek, and here we've got living a pure life. Now, the key thing here is that Jesus, he never talks about things that are impossible. He doesn't talk about impossible things. That lovely quote from Mr. Rogers, that which is mentionable is manageable. That which is mentionable is manageable. Jesus is saying this not to make our lives more difficult. He's saying it to make our lives easier. You know, he says elsewhere, come to me all you are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's not trying to give extra weight. And also in the woes, which I mentioned a few weeks ago, he says, woe also to you who load people with burdens hard to bear and you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. I think in asking us to be pure in heart, Jesus is not giving us a burden here that's too hard to bear. 
He's describing a way through what he later calls the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. The key thing here is that it's a gate. It's not the whole thing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is, the, he's describing the gate. He's not pointing to a way that we're being asked to live throughout our lives. He's showing us a way to those green pastures that we can lie down in. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the darkest shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the Lord, in the house of the Lord forever. That is the description in Psalm 23 of the way that Jesus is pointing to. And this passage is the gate to that pasture. We're not, you know, we don't have to stop loving or being interested in our lives forever. We just have to give up our insatiable desire to be interested in the world around us long enough to perceive the true nature of reality. To realize that all of this around us is of one nature emanating from the universal mind, the ground of all being, whatever you like to call it. And that our enemy is the shadow of ourselves. And although that we are passionately involved in all aspects of our lives, deep down we must have the realization that we are part of something that is immeasurably greater and wiser than ourselves. And that in the end, it will all be okay. As it says in the Tao Te Ching, fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill. Keep sharpening your knife and it will blunt. Chase after money and security and your heart is never unclenched. Care about other people's approval and you will be their prisoner. Do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. Jesus is asking us to experience the mindset of complete detachment with worldly things so that we can see the true nature of reality. Once that is seen, it cannot be unseen. And some of us know that. Once you've seen that nature of reality, you can't unsee it. It will affect the way that you live your life and allow you the serenity to be involved, yet able to take a step back. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And how do we get to that gate, that, that position where our hearts are pure? Well, Jesus is telling us in the Beatitudes, you know, that process of not knowing, experiencing a yearning, depending on God, trusting it'll all be okay, understanding that we're all of one beingness. All of this points to perceiving the true nature of reality. 
And if you think it's all just academic, then, you know, take it to your practice. As you sit in meditation, you give up knowing, you yearn, you experience depending, you trust and you open yourself to the compassion of the present moment. That is the process in meditation. That's where it takes place. And because it doesn't involve the rational mind, which is caught up in worldliness, even the worldliness of the desire to be pure, you know, the rational mind cannot achieve purity by, uh, by itself because it is always corrupt. It's always seeking, which is why Jesus points us to the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It doesn't say blessed are the pure in mind because that would be impossible. No, he says blessed are the pure in heart Blessed are those who turn their attention completely inwards to their breath, to the inner beingness, outside the mind, and in the present moment, for they shall perceive God. You know, I can't tell you what an opportunity this pandemic is giving us to turn inwards, to deepen our practice so that we might perceive that nature of reality. You might say, you know, that was its purpose. However, who knows? But if you're not developing and deepening your practice, you know, now is the time. Jesus is saying that it will change you and enable you to perceive God. And do you? I mean, do you perceive God in that way? Well, without the mind to tell you what you're thinking, then the heart can search out something new from a place of love giving attention to the inner world with no expectation of return. And that leads to a connection through love with the true nature of reality. And then we begin to perceive God. You know, it may not be an out-of-body experience. It, it may just be a glimpse, but it does come. You know, I, I know in my practice, I get flashes of perceiving myself as a part of a greater whole. And you know, that's all you need. It means that when you get into worry or feeling attached to the world, then you can remember that perception and relax. You are in green pastures. Everything will be okay. You know, it, it may seem difficult to square what seems an inner experience with all the mayhem that we see going on in the world today, the pandemic, the death of George Floyd and the response from all around. But you see, I think we have to take the long view. We have to see all of this in the terms of the sweep of history. There's an ongoing evolution in the way society operates that has peaks and troughs in its development. When you get involved in a single wave, it's difficult to see the movement of the ocean as it comes up the beach. Einstein's famous quote that no problem can be solved by the same level of consciousness that created it in the first place. And I think that pertains here. Our role is to be compassionate, as I was talking about last week, and non-judgmental while at the same time embodying that change in consciousness that identifies with the overall movement of the ocean rather than just one wave. If we can go 
into ourselves and through our focus on that purity of heart, that detachment from the rational mind, then we can become one of those who are able to witness to the reality of the equality of all. We can witness to the reality of the equality of all, witness to a just society that recognizes the pain of past and present hurts and witness to the fact that our enemy is but the shadow of ourselves. It's what we do here all the time to help bring about a change in consciousness. You know, it's our work that we do not only in times of trouble like now, but when such trouble is far from the headlines. It's an ongoing process of work that many of us have been engaged in day in, day out for years. We have to embody that reality. We are the aperture through which the universe sees itself. As Alan Watts said, we are the aperture through which the universe sees itself. And as more and more people see the same way, so the consciousness changes and the ocean moves up the beach. We have to hold onto the realization that each of us can have an impact on the whole of transformation of consciousness. We may at some point be called upon to make a greater sacrifice. Who knows where our life is going to go? Who knows what we'll become involved in? We may be called upon directly to make a greater sacrifice, but until that call comes, all we can do is work on our lives and our willingness to work towards that purity of heart. That is the gate that Jesus is asking us to take. And in passing through it, our whole perception becomes changed forever. And as our perception changes, so gradually we affect the way that all of humanity perceives their place in life. And I think it's incredibly heartening to see the revulsion against racism echo not only in our own country, but all over the world. It's a sign of the realization that things need to change. And we are witnessing in these demonstrations a transformation of consciousness that we've not seen before, that's just echoing all around the world. It's a privilege to witness consciousness being transformed by people. And individually, you know, we don't have to be pure in heart forever. That would be impossible. You know, blessed are the pure in heart. We just have to get there once. That's what Jesus is talking about. And it takes practice. If you feel that you're missing that today, then try again tomorrow. It's our willingness to keep going, to use our knowledge and understanding to affect the life of those around us, to put it into practice, the wisdom that we've been left by the great teachers over the years. They show a way forward that is different, that has a greater perspective, that's not caught up in worldly concerns, but one that will ultimately lead to the changes that will bring peace and the wholeness that everybody seeks. We will get there eventually because that is our destiny. So any, anything uh, from you, any thoughts from you on, on what we've been talking about? Well, this line, this particular beatitude has loomed large in my life yeah. and 
it's always intrigued me and beckoned me on. And I think really, I mean, I can remember, um, I, I can remember as a teenager, literally approaching it as a sort of, almost like a mathematical equation, like um, that if I, want to, if I want to see God, then I have to be pure. Yeah. And I set about trying to be pure, you know. Yeah. But before that, interestingly, I remember as a kid, uh, two really uh, just massive experiences that I feel like they were yesterday still, where um, one was, that, was listening to some oboe telemann music and, and, and another was just this immense experience of love where I felt like my, my heart was ignited maybe as sort of seven or eight-year-old and that it opened up this, this, this whole world of love and purity. Um, and when you, when you mentioned uh, entering through the... No, what, um, what's the phrase? The narrow, narrow gate. The narrow gate. Yeah, it felt, I thought maybe that was, you know, entering through the narrow gate yeah. at that point. Anyway... So I feel like my life has has moved out from that space, and and as I've got older, it's been a sense of um, as you were talking about learning to live into that purity and and start to see and perceive things out of out of that sense. And I, I realized when I was thinking about this that um, it's helpful to me to think of purity as more as a verb than a, than a noun, like to think of it as that actually the, the desiring for purity, the desiring to see God, you know, the desiring, the, the reaching for communion, you know, for that interabiding of our, our souls and, you know, God, you know, the interabiding, um, the, just the wanting of that and the hungering and thirsting for righteousness is the, is the purity of heart. Yeah. And that, that to me seems like such a helpful way of seeing it. Um, in a way, there's nothing to do. It's just the wanting it and leaning into it. And then, you know, what you were talking about, the practice of that and just growing into it, growing into it. It's interesting that if you find yourself outside green pastures, you know, and we do a lot of the time find ourselves outside green pastures, you know, then you can always re-enter that narrow gate. You can remember, um, you can actually reach towards that, that purity of heart that actually does you know, make that difference. And I think in troubled times like now, you know, I think we really have to remember that individually we do make a difference. You know, that actually we can do something from our own rooms uh, that actually does make a difference in the world. You know, that by striving for that, by the continual process of us as an individual striving towards that, we make that those connections that actually do facilitate that evolution of consciousness. And I find it so encouraging just to see so many people actually, you know, sticking their hands up and saying, look, this is something that needs to happen. And we're actually in a privileged position of witnessing one of those shifts in that evolution of consciousness at the moment, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing what we're witnessing and, and living through. And I think one way, one way in, like if... if any of us like just not feeling it, yeah. <laughs> um, not feeling this purity thing. That um, like we've all, all of us at some point in our lives have have experienced, you know, a fleeting glimpse of of beauty or of divine wonder, whatever you want to call it, something. Um, and I, I think that as we grow spiritually, like our, our lens of perception and our, our ability to to experience or, or spot presence and, and beauty. Um, becomes more refined and 
it's the, it's to be able to to spot those experiences and to lean into them and to to let let those experiences open us up and and use them kind of as a gateway into you know this deeper expansiveness that basically is what purity brings about yeah. And, and sometimes when we're watching the television and seeing what's going on, it's difficult to know where to put our hearts. You know, it's difficult, it's such difficult things that we witness that, that we don't know quite what to think, you know, which side, what, where should we be thinking? What is, what is the way that we should be approaching this? What should our attitude be? And actually, this gives us an answer to that, which is that when we get to that point, if we turn ourselves inwards and actually reach for that purity of heart, it gives us that clarity that does enable us to move on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, last night, last night we were watching the news and um, there was an, a sudden image on the news that absolutely got me, yeah. <laughs> as you'll know. Um, and I was completely undone by it. Um, and, and the thing is, I, I just had to... Um, take it in and just hold it in this much more expansive thing than what we were talking about earlier in the service. Just let it be contained and held in this much more um, coherent love and and hope that underpins everything, you know. It's amazing with the Beatitudes because next week we're talking about blessed are the peacemakers and the way that it develops into that. I mean, I think it's such a relevant thing. And um, we'll, we'll move on to that next. But thank you. Well, one, one more, more thought, thing. Yeah, one more go thought. For it. I was thinking of um, dear Uncle Jim, Jim Finley, yeah. who says, I will not break faith with my awakened heart. Uh, so we've all had an awakened heart at some point. And so it's like, I will not break faith with my awakened heart. Just keep going into it and yeah. living out of it. That's lovely. Thank you for that. That's great. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet. Mm -hmm.